Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it all, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Feast day, everyone. Okay. If you normally attend the 8 o'clock service, raise your hand. We got one strong. <laughs> if you normally attend the 9 o'clock service, raise your hand. Okay. If you normally attend the 11.15 service, raise your hand. Now raise your hand if someone's sitting in your spot. <laughs> Very few times a year we gather together as one community for one service, and today is one of those days. If you are new to the Episcopal Church, then um, you will learn that some churches are named after saints. And if you are named after a saint, you have a patronal feast day or a patron saint day. And this marks the feast of the day when the saint for whom you were named. Most saints' feast day is marked on the day of their death. St. Paul, however, well, he has a few saint days as he's one of the major contributors to the foundation and spreading of Christianity. Our feast day, if you notice we're wearing white or gold, our feast day is on the conversion, the conversion of St. Paul, not his death. Rather, our feast day marks his new life in Christ. We mark his conversion when he came to know Christ, when he came to build the Christian church as we know it. What is important to know about saints is that saints are not perfect. In fact, if perfection were required, we would have no saints, none. Rather, saints are saints for various reasons, and those reasons led to a major impact on the Christian tradition, an impact on the lives of those they encountered in the name of Christ. When I think about the lasting legacy of Paul the Apostle, from Saul through his conversion and then through his new life as Paul, I find it very interesting that over 100 years ago, the founders of this congregation chose him to be the primary guide 
to come to know Christ in their gathered life together. And here's why. Paul was a button pusher, a rabble rouser, a flip-flopper. He was a braggart, a nonconformist. He did not play well with others. And he certainly didn't play well with the other apostles, which, of course, we heard about in our epistle reading, where he says, oh, I went out building the church before I even went to go see those yahoos in Jerusalem. And while in later years we know that there likely would not have been a Christian church, or at least Christianity as we know it today, without Paul, during his life, he really was on the outskirts of the insider Christian community. What was it exactly that over 100 years ago, a group of people gathered together and said, let's model our community on the life of that guy. His contributions, this St. Paul, are undeniable. But what he asked of the communities that he formed in the name of Christ is a lot. Perhaps those early founders would have been better off choosing a more obscure saint, one where we don't have a lot of information on their life or access to their writings. It would have been easier to forge our own path forward, saying, sure, saint so-and-so would have totally loved this. Instead, our founders picked a very opinionated and prolific saint, a saint who had a high bar, not only for himself, but for those that he was in community and ministry with. A saint who was flawed and left a paper trail. Our founders picked him. And so we must ask ourselves, are we worthy to carry his name? Over the past year, the Vestry has been working hard on trying to discern exactly what our purpose and direction is. Long years without a dean and a global pandemic brought St. Paul's into the year 2020 with a less than clear identity of who we were, how we would operate, and where we were headed. What was very clear, however, is our history, a beautiful and rich history. It was from that history that the Vestry's vision for moving forward was born. We, beloveds, are not just a community marked by the things that we can remember in our life, but we are marked by our history the spans of generations of people who made faithful, difficult, courageous, and joyful choices. It was those choices that led us to being here today on the corner of 7th and Robinson. Our history is not perfect. We reside on land that was taken from indigenous people. 
this church community in years past was responsible for starting a new church so that black people wouldn't come to church here. But our history, our history is also beautiful. We have made and will continue to make steps in reconciling our past with indigenous people and the black community. We have been a place of respite for the broken and hurting and actual bleeding in our communities. And we will continue to do that. We have been a place where the dignity of every human being, in particular the dignity of our homeless siblings, has been respected. And we continue to do that. But as we reflect on our namesake and on the cornerstone of both his life and our life, Jesus Christ, clarity and vision for where we are headed in the year 2023 and beyond is much needed. We must take our history into the future with us so that our eyes can be firmly focused on the road ahead and not over our shoulder. The phrase, we've always done it that way, should not be lost. It should be where the conversation starts, but not where the conversation ends. Our past should inform, but not keep us in the past. Rather, it should move us into the future with confidence, knowing that those who have gone before us did the same. One of the primary legacies of St. Paul, the Apostle, was his ability to build various and differing and unique communities. All of those letters he wrote to all of those communities, no two were alike. And if you read those letters, you can see that those communities changed. Their encounters with the world around them shifted who they were, how they needed to respond to the world and how they needed to be with each other. These communities, they shifted from gathering in public to gathering in secret, and then back to gathering in public. These communities shifted as the church changed, as practices were established, and creeds were written. They survived because they adapted. They survived because they were faithful to Christ before they were faithful to anything else. In just a short while, our annual meeting will begin, and it is with great excitement that your vestry will share with you a guiding statement for our future together. It is our hope that this statement will not just be words, but rather will be words that encourage and inspire us to live life together with clarity and singular movement. 
Susan Erbach shared her belief a few months ago during our stewardship season that St. Paul's was entering into the next golden era. May we live into this golden era as one community gathered around one focused way of living. It is only in this united effort to live this vision that we will succeed to be a cornerstone on 7th and Robinson of the life and love of Jesus Christ. Unity of vision was the basis for St. Paul the Apostle's ministry, and unity of vision was the basis of our earliest founders here in Oklahoma City. May we continue to honor them both on the advent of our 119th year of existence. To those saints who have gone before, known and unknown, we give gratitude. We honor and recognize them. And we carry them forward with us into the dawn of this golden era. Amen. <laughs>